At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. B21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. My mom had one of those hand crank apple peelers that also cuts the apples. And when you use those, the apple peel comes off in sort of a spiral. And I called it apple spaghetti and I loved it so much. This is Play Me A Recipe. Hi, I'm Erin Jean McDowell, Food 52 resident, host of Bake It Up A Notch and author of The Fearless Baker and The Book on Pie. Today we're going to be making my apple pecan pie recipe, which is one of my new recipes for Thanksgiving this year. The recipe is linked in the show notes if you need to refer to it at any time, but we're actually going to be getting all of the ingredients together and doing all of the prep side by side today. So if you need to pause at any time, go ahead and just jump back in whenever you are ready. This year, my Thanksgiving pie, it is an apple pecan pie. This recipe sort of started with the concept of what would happen if you had that delicious pecan pie, kind of classic pecan pie filling, where you have that sort of caramelly custard that's coating all of those pecans, and what would happen if juicy apples were sort of brought into that mix. And what I was hoping is that it would taste like a pecan pie with apples, rather than an apple pie with pecans. And I really think that the end result nails that perfectly. It's a really rich, delicious sort of custard pie. Um, and as a result, the filling is actually really, really simple to make. It doesn't take that long to bring all of the ingredients together for the filling. And that means we can focus on getting our crust just perfect. And of course, I'm gonna be bringing in all of my tips and tricks for the flakiest crust possible. So with that said, let's get baking. For this recipe, we are going to need my all butter pie dough. We're gonna need just one single crust recipe of that, uh, prepared and chilled, ready to go. For that, we're going to need one and a quarter cup or 150 grams of all-purpose flour, a quarter teaspoon or one gram of fine sea salt, 113 grams or a half a cup, one stick of cold unsalted butter cut into half inch cubes, and we're also going to need some ice water. We'll start with a quarter cup, but I would just recommend having a little bit more than that on hand because we'll be adding more as needed to bring our crust together. For the pie, we're going to need four tablespoons or 56 grams of unsalted butter. We'll need one cup or 212 grams of dark brown sugar, and we're gonna divide that into two different amounts, use it in two different places. We're gonna need two tablespoons or 15 grams of all-purpose flour, 
two cups or 240 grams of peeled and diced apples. I like to use something like Cosmic Crisp, Honey Crisp, something that's really juicy and sweet here. We'll need three large eggs uh, or 170 grams, a quarter cup or 78 grams of maple syrup, one and a half teaspoons, seven grams of vanilla extract, three quarters of a teaspoon, three grams of fine sea salt, a half teaspoon or two grams of ground cinnamon, and one and a half cups or 200 grams pecan halves. And we can go ahead and roughly chop those. For equipment, we're going to need a pie plate. I'm gonna use a metal pie plate today. I'll talk a little more about that later. You'll also need a rolling pin and you're gonna need um, a fork for docking our crust and have some scissors on hand too for trimming our crust when the time comes. We'll also need a bowl and a whisk for bringing our filling together and a cutting board and a knife for getting our apples and pecans ready for the filling. Okay, let's get started on our pie dough. Okay, my pie dough for a single crust, it's actually very, very simple and just a few ingredients. We're going to do one and a quarter cup which is 150 grams of all-purpose flour. And I like to use all-purpose flour because it has sort of a medium protein content, which is gonna give us kind of equal parts strength for a nice strong dough that can withstand folds if we wanted to or anything like that. But it also is gonna keep the dough nice and tender. Next, I am going to add a quarter teaspoon of fine sea salt. And if you like a boost of saltiness, you can definitely add more, especially when I do savory pies. Sometimes I knock that up a tiny bit. Sometimes I even add some ground black pepper in there too when I'm doing a savory pie. And then we need one stick, a half cup, 113 grams of cold unsalted butter. I'm gonna use a bench knife, which is one of my favorite tools. I'm actually using my 5-2 bench knife, which kind of doubles up because it has these little ruler marks on it. And we wanna get cubes that are about a half an inch wide. And we'll go ahead and add all of those cubes into the flour that's in our mixing bowl. The first step of this is actually also one of the most important steps of pie dough making, which is we need to toss all of the cubes of butter. We wanna make sure that that fat is fully coated in flour at all stages of this process. So the first thing we need to do is toss it to make sure that each of those cubes is fully coated all the way around, just like that. Now, we can do this next part with our hands. We could do it even in the food processor if you have really warm hands, or using another great tool, the pastry cutter. A pastry cutter is sort of a handle with several, you know, not very sharp, but blades that are rounded. Um, and you just kind of run that through your flour and butter mixture. And what we're doing, no matter what tool we're using, whether we're using our hands or the food processor or the pastry cutter, what we're doing is we're trying to get our butter to be a certain size. So I like to do this by hand, and I do it by squishing the butter, very technical term, squishing the butter between my fingers and thumbs, which kind of shingles it out into these big flat shards. And once um, I've kind of gotten every piece into 
a nice flat piece like that. I'm gonna toss it again, make sure that all of those shards are evenly coated in flour. So as I'm working, I'm kind of squishing the butter and tossing it to make sure it's evenly coated. Now, if you were using a pastry cutter, it doesn't shingle in quite the same way. It sort of cuts it up more, and that's okay. Really what we're going for here is just to get to a certain size. And the size that you mix in your fat is going to kind of determine what the end result of the crust texture is. So in this case, I'm going to mix in the fat today to be about the size of peas. This, you know, I was taught in pastry school, the word for this was, this makes kind of a mealy crust. And I know that mealy doesn't have like the most appetizing connotation, but it doesn't mean not flaky and it doesn't mean not tender. It actually just means that the flake is like less light and airy. And that actually can be a really big advantage in a variety of pie preparations because it just makes the crust sturdy in a slightly different way. And it also is going to make elements like our crimps hold a little bit better. When you make a crust super flaky, like let's be real, I love to do, I love me a flaky crust. <laughs> But if you make a crust super flaky, you can't always control where that flake is gonna happen. And so sometimes it gets extra puffed up. Sometimes our crimps, they're still beautiful, but maybe they're not as sharp or defined. But a mealier crust is actually gonna give you a little bit more of that um, definition. So this is a great way to start mixing pie crust. Also, if you feel like you're not a super strong pie maker, um, leave the flaky crust for another day and start by tackling this, where we're gonna keep mixing in the fat until the largest pieces are about the size of peas. As I mentioned, if you have hot hands and you're using the pastry cutter, just keep an eye out for that pea size. And same thing, if you wanna use the food processor, you can also use the food processor. Um, just be careful because it happens a lot faster in the food processor, so keep a close eye. So I've got everything. My largest pieces are about the size of peas. I'm just gonna walk over to my freezer here and grab a couple cubes of ice because we need some ice water to bring our dough together. Now my recipe calls for a quarter cup to start, but you are gonna need more than that. The reason that so many pie dough recipes, mine included, don't tell you exactly how much water to add is because every brand of flour will hydrate a little bit differently. And even in different weather, they're gonna hydrate a little bit differently. So it can be difficult to know exactly how much you're gonna need, but a quarter cup is a great place to start. I'm just gonna put my hand right in the bowl and kind of make a well in the center of the bowl, just like a hole right in the center. We'll pour our quarter cup of ice water in. And the first thing I'm gonna do is use my hands again in that tossing motion. And I'm just gonna toss to incorporate the water and kind of evenly distribute it throughout the dough. And what it's gonna do at first is it's gonna clump up to some of the flour that's closest to it. So then I like to go through with my hands kind of still using the tossing motion and just break up any of those clumps because those are basically like well hydrated little pockets. Once we've broken those up, we can be sure that you know they're a little bit more distributed. 
we can start adding more water. And I'm gonna start adding more water about a tablespoon at a time, though you may not always need to add a full tablespoon. I started with a, a tablespoon now and I'm tossing to combine. And basically we wanna just keep doing that, breaking up any large pockets that you see and continuing to toss until the dough starts to come together. Now, what I mean by come together is that it'll look shaggy. It's not gonna be smooth. It's gonna have kind of an uneven texture to it, but it will hold together when you kind of pinch it with your hands. And what I often find is that I get a portion of the dough to hold together just right like this, right at the beginning, but then there's kind of these flowery bits in the bottom of my bowl. So what I like to do then is pick up the dough that has come together with one hand, kind of pack it together. And with all those floury bits in the bottom, I just dip my hand into the ice water that I have nearby here. And then I'm just gonna kind of flick the water that's still on my fingers into that floury bit in the bottom of the bowl. And you can do it a couple times if you need to, to bring that together. Then you can return that already hydrated larger piece of dough to the bowl. And once we know we've got enough water, we can kind of just knead this dough a few times gently to bring it together. And it shouldn't need very much. I'm on my fourth kind of knead here and it's already formed a nice ball. So what I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna form this into a disc about an inch thick. I'm gonna wrap it tightly in some plastic wrap and I'm gonna refrigerate it until it is firm and chilled. This is gonna give the dough a chance to relax and also give the fat, the butter, a chance to firm up. So we need to do this for at least 30 minutes. Um, sometimes, if I'm being honest, I prefer doing it for a full hour. If you want to, you can actually do this up to two days ahead of time as well. So if you're doing this for the holidays, this is definitely a great thing to kind of get out of the way early prep-wise. I'm gonna go ahead and um, toss this in the fridge and I will be back to grab it in 30 minutes to one hour. See you then. Okay, so it has been just under an hour. I grab my dough out of the fridge and I grabbed one of my favorite pie plates, which is just a pretty standard non-stick metal pie plate. I'm just rolling out the pie dough on a lightly floured surface until it's about a quarter of an inch thick. And if you have one, you can actually enlist the help of your 5-2 rolling pin here because they have those handy kind of depth that help you get just the right thickness. There are these beautiful silicone rings that you put on the outside edge and you can put on the ones for a quarter of an inch and roll without having to think as much. In my case, I also just like to recommend rotating the dough a lot while you work, kind of picking it up, moving it around. This allows you to prevent sticking without having to necessarily use a ton more flour. But use flour as much as you need during this process, but you know, most recipes, I always joke, they say a lightly floured surface. And that is important because we don't want to incorporate too much excess flour into the dough at this stage. Really all we want to do is prevent it from sticking to our pin and our work surface. So as you roll, the thickness is the most important, but we do wanna make sure that we will have enough room to fully cover our pie plate. So one thing you can do 
is take your pie plate and turn it upside down. And you should have about an inch and a half to two inches of excess all the way around the outside edge of that pie rim. I'm not quite there. I need to give mine a little bit thinner. And of course, I didn't mention this when I was mixing the pie dough, but if you're making more than one pie for the holidays this year, this recipe doubles or triples or even quadruples really well. I don't usually recommend mixing more than four times the pie dough recipe at one time. Um, I just find it's harder to get the right level of hydration. Okay, I am at a perfect thickness, a quarter of an inch thick, six millimeters for those of you not using inches. And um, I'm gonna place my rolling pin kind of at the far end of the dough, the portion of the dough that's farthest away from me, and I'm gonna start rolling up the dough around the pin. This is how I transfer crust to the pan. I just use the rolling pin and then I just gently unfurl it over the pan. And this is kind of an important part. Now the pie crust is sort of draped over the pan and what I'm going to do is use my hands to lift up the dough at the edges and then I'm gonna use my other hand to help me press the crust down. And what I'm trying to do is make sure it's fully touching and adhered to the base, that bottom corner where the base and the sides meet and also, of course, the sides of the pan. And of course, you can just kind of use your hands to press it down into the pan, but what I find is even more helpful is to lift the crust up at the edges and kind of nestle it or nudge it down into the pan. It just gives you a better all-over coverage. All right, so now I'm gonna grab my scissors, one of my trustiest, kitchen tools. And we're just gonna use the scissors to trim away any excess dough so that there's just about a half an inch of excess all the way around. And of course, save this scrap dough. There's lots of yummy things you can do with it. Check out my pie dough and crust episode of Bake It Up A Notch for some ideas there. I think scissors make quick work of this, whereas with a knife, it's just a little clumsier. Uh, so with this, I can just kind of turn the pan around and use the scissors to trim anywhere I need to. And you may not have to trim, um, it may only have a half an inch of excess. Once you've got your excess dough trimmed away, we're going to have still about a half an inch of excess hanging off the outer edge of the pie plate. So what we're going to do is we're just gonna pick up the dough at the edge and tuck the dough underneath itself. So we can crimp this however we want. I'm gonna do a classic finger crimp because it's my favorite. For a finger crimp, you are just using um, your dominant hand. I'm right-handed, so you'll use your dominant hand to form kind of a V shape on the outside edge of the crust. And then with your non-dominant hand, you're gonna press towards your dominant hand that's making the V shape. You're gonna press towards it and also down to help adhere the dough to the pie crust. And of course, I show all about how to do this in an episode of Bake It Up A Notch Bite Size, which are little short form episodes. So you can check this out if you need a visual, but you could also crimp this with a fork. I actually always recommend look around your kitchen and see what tools you have. Sometimes I use the edge of tongs to crimp a pie crust. I have um, a crimp that uses scissors to just kind of snip the crust um, in sort of a decorative pattern. So there's really lots of ways if, you know, this part is normally one of the, the trickier parts for you. And you can also just leave it right at that stage that 
we had it where the dough is tucked under at the edges. Um, I usually call that kind of like a straight edge and that really works great too. Okay, now I'm just gonna take a fork and I'm gonna press the tines of the fork into the crust all the way around. And I'm doing this on the sides and the base. And this is called docking. We are docking the crust because the intention of a flaky tender pastry dough is that when the cold dough, which has a lot of fat in it, when that cold fat hits the oven, the moisture content, the water content inside of it um, evaporates and it creates steam. And that steam is what's responsible for sort of pushing the dough up in that flaky, tender, delectable way. So because we know we're gonna have steam, we need to create some places for that steam to escape. Um, especially if you've made a really delicious flaky crust of any sort. I know we made a mealy crust today, but even a mealy crust will be flaky, trust me. It may puff up in some places where you really don't want it to, and that's okay. That's why we add these little dock holes to help kind of make the crust do what we want to do. And if it still doesn't behave, well, we'll get it in line. We'll just hit it with the tip of a paring knife mid-bake if we have to, to allow that steam to escape. So I've got lots of dock holes in here. I'm gonna go ahead and chill this again just while I preheat my oven um, to our par baking temperature. So I'm gonna throw this in the fridge for a few minutes, just as long as it takes for my oven to preheat. Though, of course, you could do it for um, several hours or even overnight if you'd like. I'll be back in a jiff. Okay, I think we are ready. Grab my pie out of the fridge. And we're going to need a piece of parchment paper. I have these pre-cut pieces of parchment paper that are about the size of a half sheet pan. That's actually perfect for this, but you can also cut it um, from a roll. Um, you basically just need it to be a, a little bit bigger than the pie plate on all sides, so a square of, of parchment is great. And the first thing we're gonna do is crumple it all up. Felt kinda good. <laughs> now we will put that crumpled up piece, kind of unfold it again, and put it into the pie crust, the chilled pie crust. And we are going to fill it with pie weights. I use ceramic pie weights, but you can also use um, dried beans. Any kind of you know legume actually works really great here. Or you can use, um, Stella Parks has a great method where she uses granulated sugar. You can read about that on Food 52. That is also great because if you're making pie, you probably already have sugar on hand. So I love that one. But I'm gonna just go ahead and pour it in. It's really important that the pie weights reach all the way up to the top edge of the crust. Beautiful. Just gonna kind of even that out. Perfect. I'm gonna grab another piece of parchment paper to line a baking sheet. And I just always like to bake my pies on a parchment-lined baking sheet in case there's any drips or anything kind of bubbles over or anything like that. Um, we don't want that going onto the bottom of the oven, so a baking sheet is our friend here. Okay, it's on the baking sheet. I'm just gonna go ahead and put it into the oven. 
and we are going to par bake it. So par baking is when we partially bake the crust before adding a filling later and baking it again. So par baking is pretty important for single crust pies and especially for custard pies, things that have a really wet filling because it just isn't possible for the crust to get baked in the same amount of time it will take for that filling to set. It's also, you know, difficult for a crust to brown and get properly baked when it's, you know, literally submerged and swimming under filling. So we're gonna bake this at 425 degrees Fahrenheit, 220 degrees Celsius, until we start to see light browning around the outside edge. And then once we see that, we'll take out the pie weights and we will uh, return it to the oven for just a few minutes more to dry out that base. This first bake is gonna take about 15 to 17 minutes and uh, we'll be back to check on it then. Okay, my timer just went off here. I'm just grabbing a metal bowl because I like to use that. I'll just use the excess pieces of the parchment to pick my pie weights up out of the pie. There we go. Okay, everyone always asks me, how do you get the pie weights out? And I'm like, you know, sometimes I still miss. It, it's true. Okay, now this is something that I actually don't even write about in my books um, necessarily, because it's sort of something that I, I did just still figure out only more recently, um, which is that a lot of your dock holes that you made with the tines of your fork, a lot of them might have filled in during the initial stages of par baking. So what we can do, add a couple more dock holes into the sides and base of the crust. And I'm basically just doing this, you, this is kind of optional, you, you don't need to, like I said, most of my recipes don't even say to do this, but I have noticed that sometimes this helps because it is still prone to puffing up during this final stage of the par bake. So I'm just gonna open up the oven and put the crust now without any pie weights back into the oven. And we're gonna do this for just like three to five minutes more until the bottom of the crust looks dry and it's gonna change colors from being kind of a dark yellowy doughy color to being kind of like a creamy white, very set crust color. So I'll be back when, when that's ready. Okay, I think my crust is just about done. One of the things that you can almost see is it like will start to bubble up a tiny bit in a good way, like the little signs of flakiness. And I said it kind of changes colors. It shouldn't look raw. And raw dough has this sort of darker, like yellowy tone to it, but it should look a little bit more like blonde, sort of creamy colored when it is done. And the edges of the crust are gonna be light brown. You really shouldn't see any browning in the base of the crust, but if you do, it should be just like whispers, like brown, just a little bit of golden brown. But we really are just trying to partially bake it. That's what par baking means. Because then we're gonna let the crust cool down completely. And while it's cooling, we can start working on our filling. We don't wanna add a filling right into a hot pie crust, especially this kind of filling, which is a custard filling that has a lot of eggs in it. We could have a scrambled egg situation if we weren't careful. Okay, perfect. My crust looks spot on. It's totally baked. 
no color on the base, but I do have a little bit of brownness at the edges. I'm just gonna set that down and I'm going to turn my oven down to 375 degrees Fahrenheit or 190 degrees Celsius. That's the temperature we're gonna cook our filling at. So I'm going to um, get started on that now, getting all of our ingredients for our filling ready while our crust cools. Okay, one of the first things we need to do is peel and dice our apples. So I've got two apples here. We're actually probably not gonna need the full amount of both of these apples. We only need two cups diced, which is about 240 grams. It's probably gonna be like one and a half of these apples and then I can have half of an apple as a snack. So I'm just gonna peel them. I actually don't always peel my apples when I'm doing baking projects, but this is one time when I do want to because I want to only kind of get the juicy, crisp parts of apple when I take a bite, and I want the pecans in this recipe to be kind of the textural, you know, shine. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and cut my apples in quarters. This is how I core my apples. If you have an apple corer, you can also use that. But what I like to do is I like to cut my apple in half, then cut it in quarters, kind of down from stem to end. And then I hold the knife at a 45 degree angle where the core is, and I just kind of cut at an angle. And what this does is it removes the core while also giving me a perfectly flat kind of surface to cut the apples. Okay, perfect, I've got my apples. Now that we've got our apples, we just kind of need to get our other ingredients ready because we're gonna do a little bit of pre-cooking to this apple filling. So I need to start by melting four tablespoons of unsalted butter. Grab a good pot to cook this in. Kind of a medium pot is all you're gonna need. And we've got four tablespoons, 56 grams, unsalted butter. In our medium pot, we're just gonna melt that over medium heat. While that is melting, we are going to take half of our dark brown sugar. This recipe uses uh, one cup or 212 grams of dark brown sugar, but we only need half of it to start. 106 grams or a half cup. And we're just gonna rub into it um, two tablespoons or about 15 grams of all-purpose flour. This is sort of a step that you wouldn't see in a typical pecan pie, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to pull out some of the moisture and the juice that's in the apples um, and kind of take care of it. Basically pre-thicken it a little bit, reduce it a tiny bit. Um, just that way we're not gonna end up with an apple pie that is too juicy. We can maintain that consistency that I want, which is more of a consistency of a, of a pecan pie. So I'm just using my fingers to rub the flour into the brown sugar until it's totally dispersed. And the reason that I do this is because um, the granules of sugar are a great way to help disperse starch. 
in a recipe like this, especially when you have the potential to be adding it to something hot because starch doesn't really love to be added to hot things. In that environment, it typically clumps up a lot. So the way that we prevent it from clumping up is by adding it with the sugar because then it clings to some of the granules of the sugar. And in the process then, that sugar, as it melts in the heat, kind of disperses and dissolves that flour. It's pretty cool. Okay, my butter is all melted. We're gonna go ahead and add the apples to the butter in the pan. Give it a nice stir so that the apples are all coated with butter. Mm, oh my gosh, it already smells good. We haven't even added any cinnamon yet. We haven't even added any vanilla yet. Okay, now I'm gonna sprinkle that mixture of dark brown sugar and flour into the pot. And I'm just gonna stir immediately and really quickly. It, at first, it's just gonna kind of combine and coat around the apples, but then it, the sugar is gonna start to melt. Eventually, it's going to start to pull some of the juices out of these apples, and it's gonna become kind of saucy. What we wanna do is cook it for long enough, kind of stirring constantly the whole time, that it gets as much of that juice out as possible to make a really nice, saucy mixture. It should really look like apples in caramel sauce, almost. And we also want it to have a chance to thicken a little bit, which is only gonna happen once it starts to kind of bubble or simmer. So I'm just gonna keep stirring it until we get to that kind of point. It's probably gonna take about four or five minutes. Mmm, oh my gosh, it smells so good. Right now, it's been just a few minutes and it's very saucy. It's starting to bubble and simmer and I'm just still stirring it, um, letting that sauce mixture that's kind of come out around it thicken and also making sure that we're spending a little time cooking that flour so that we don't have a floury taste. Okay, in another minute or so, this is gonna be ready. While it finishes, I'm just gonna grab a baking sheet. I'm gonna put that on the stovetop right next to where I'm working. You could also use, you know, a nine by 13 pan here or something. What we're gonna do is when we get this to the correct doneness, we're going to just pour it onto this baking sheet. The increased surface area is gonna help this cool down really quickly, and that way we can go ahead and get started mixing the rest of our filling. Okay, I think I'm there. I'm just gonna pour it onto the baking sheet. And don't worry if it still looks a little bit saucy. I mentioned that the mixture will thicken slightly. It's gonna thicken even a little bit more as it cools. And we're gonna add more of a binder in the final recipe in the form of eggs. And the proteins of the eggs are what's gonna help set this pie up. So don't worry if it still seems a little bit runny at this point, that is definitely okay. All right, let that cool for a few moments and we'll be back. I think our apple mixture is cool enough. It only takes about 10 minutes if you pour it out into a layer like this, maybe 15. I'm gonna go ahead and crack three large eggs into a mixing bowl. And we are gonna mix those with the rest of our brown sugar, another 106 grams, another half cup. And we're also gonna add something that I always add to my pecan pie, which is maple syrup. I really love the flavor of maple with pecans, obviously. That's a popular 
flavor combination. And in this case, obviously also maple and apple goes so well together. I'm also going to add my vanilla extract here. And of course, I give an amount in the recipe, but you can kind of eyeball this or do it to taste. One thing that I always like to tell people, because many don't know, is that the average cap of the vanilla that you buy in the grocery store, the average cap will be about a half teaspoon. So if you want to not have to even get out a little teaspoon measure, you can uh, just use your cap there. We're also going to add um, some cinnamon here. So what we've got is, I like to do a decent amount of vanilla, one and a half teaspoons of vanilla, a half teaspoon of ground cinnamon, and we also wanna make sure that we've got some salt. Always important. I use fine sea salt and we're gonna do three quarters of a teaspoon, which is three grams. We don't want a salty pecan pie. We just want three quarters of a teaspoon. So I'm whisking my eggs, my brown sugar, my maple syrup, my vanilla, my salt, and cinnamon until I have a nice smooth custard. Next, I'm gonna go ahead and just add my cooled apple mixture right into the bowl and all of the saucy juice that's clinging to it. And remember, the stuff that we cooked with the apples, that sugar, that has become really infused with like a lot of apple flavor. And then we're also going to add our pecans. And uh, if you haven't already, you need to just coarsely chop the pecans. My pecans came already chopped. So I'm just gonna go ahead and add them right into the bowl. I like to chop the pecans in this case instead of doing pecan halves, just because then the pieces of pecan and the pieces of apple are similar in size when I'm biting into it. So what this looks like right now is exactly like the filling for a classic pecan pie, but it just has these like big chunks of apple in it and it seriously looks incredible. I'm just grabbing my baking sheet. I'm gonna go ahead and just add all of this and you can kind of encourage it, coax it into an even layer a little bit with a spatula and that is ready to go. Okay, so we're gonna turn on our oven to 425 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, we're now ready to slide our pie into the oven. It's still on the baking sheet. Gonna bake it at 375 degrees Fahrenheit or 190 degrees Celsius until the custard appears set around the outside edge, but still maybe has that tiniest bit of jiggle in the center. It's gonna take about 35 to 40 minutes. Okay, it has been the full 40 minutes. I checked it at 35 and it was too jiggly. So I went ahead and gave it the full 40 minutes and I'm just gonna go ahead and give the pan a shake. Perfect, it's set around the outside edges, but the inside just moved the tiniest bit when I shook it. And the crust is super evenly golden brown and I even see some like toasty bits on the apples and the pecans that are sort of right on the top of the pie. So this is perfect, and now is honestly the hardest part of making any pie. We have to let this cool. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of warm pie slices as well, but pies cut much better and slice much more neatly 
if you let them cool. So while you don't need to let it cool completely, I recommend cooling it completely if you can. You can always refresh the pie. I refresh pies. I can do a whole pie by covering it with foil and placing it into an oven, setting the oven to 375 degrees and sort of letting it heat up and toast while the oven heats. But it just is gonna slice differently if you let it cool to room temperature first. With that said, you really just need to let it cool for about 20-30 minutes minimum before you're ready to slice and you'll get a pretty nice clean slice. So that's what I'm going to do now, just wait about 20-30 minutes and then I'm going to come back and uh, cut me a piece because I can't wait any longer than that for pie today. <laughs> I'm going to grab a cutting board and a knife because I think my pie is cool enough. And you can't see it, but I have fully lifted it out of the pie plate. And this is why it's so much easier to get a slice from this, this kind of pie, because we can just pop it right out of the pie plate. Now, I talk about in Bake It Up a Notch that I like to take what I call a sacrifice slice, um, where I just take like a really skinny slice first, partially to help make it easier to take the rest of the slice out. You don't have to do this, it's just one of my tips for getting like a really, really nice slice. Like a food stylist level slice. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just snuck a bite of pecan because. Mmm. So caramelly and there's this like little hit of cinnamon. What is so cool about this recipe is if you are a lover of pecan pie, the filling to me, that's what it makes me think of. It also kind of smells like those delicious carts that sell spiced nuts on the streets of New York City. Like that's what your house smells like when you're baking this pie. Because that little bit of cinnamon that's in there, but then also this like caramelly custard and that little bit of acid, that juiciness from the apples. This is one of those pies that for me, it doesn't totally remind me of pecan pie when you bite into it because you have the apples. It is so different. But at the same time, there's something familiar about it, right? There's something like nostalgic and comforting. And it's really just exactly the kind of thing that I want on Thanksgiving. At the end of a big meal, I wanna put whipped cream on this or ice cream. I am gonna dive in and take a bite of this. I already snuck a pecan, but time for a full bite. And because this pie passes the sturdy pie challenge, you can't see it, but I'm actually holding it like a slice of pizza just with my hand. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. It's buttery, that little bit of spice, it's really slight. It's just like enough cinnamon to kind of take this to a warm fall place, but it's not like full in your face, the apple pie. That maple is really clear to me and the dark brown sugar kind of makes the rest of the custard have this really naturally caramel-like taste, even though we didn't have to make a full caramel. The pecans taste toasty. The apples still have a little bit of bite to them and there's a little bit of juiciness. Acidic, it's bright. It's This is a very well-rounded pie. I love this pie and I hope you enjoyed baking it along with me today on Play Me a Recipe. All right, I hope your pie turned out just as delightful and flaky and crisp as the one in front of me. I've got this really nice golden crust. It is just set even though the pie is still warm. 
I'm able to hold the slice like pizza as I take a bite. It's got that juicy apple. It's got that caramelly custard, lots of pecans. I hope that you enjoyed making this recipe. I hope that maybe it finds a spot, whether it's on your holiday table or just an excuse to make pie this fall. I hope that you give this recipe a try. If you'd like to bake some more with me, please check me out on Instagram where you can find me at emcdowell. You can also find more of me and my recipes on my website, erinjeanmcdowell.com. And of course, I'm hosting episodes of Bake It Up a Notch every month on Food52's YouTube channel. So please be sure to look for me and all my new recipes there. Thanks so much for joining me. And I always like to sign off by saying happy baking.